Hey friends, welcome back to the Journal Feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We just want to keep you guys up on the literature, and to do that, we spoon-feed you. Now, the quick hits from all the articles that we covered in the past week. Target systolic blood pressure of 130 to 180 is best for pre-hospital TBIs. Second, propofol is associated with increased risk of peri-intubation instability and collapse. That one was a little bit surprising. Third, spirituality is a huge part of people's lives and motivations. You can't and shouldn't leave it out of your care for them. From the fourth article, routine calcium is harmful when given during CPR in pediatric in-hospital cardiac arrests. And then from the last article, rebound after Paxlovid, it's a thing. Some patients will return to having COVID positivity as well as symptoms after their treatment. Now, if you're hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber and so will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, of course, I'm going to still pick the best ones for you guys, but you're only going to get two out of the five. If you'd like to get access to the full podcast and blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. Now, of course, if you have any trouble affording a subscription, then please reach out to us and we'll help you out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week's summaries, which this week were brought to you by Seth Walsh-Blackmore, Aaron Lacey, Dendrick Cooper, Jonathan Brewer, Davin Brar, and Clay Smith. All right, let's just jump over to the second article. Titled, Peri-Intubation Cardiovascular Collapse in Patients Who Are Critically Ill, Insights from the Intube Study, out of the American Journal of Respirology and Critical Care Medicine. Some things we can't control, like how patients are going to become sick enough to need intubation. Some things, though, we could control, like our choice of induction and paralytic agents. And the more we know about the drugs, well, the better we're going to be at using them. This study looked at 2,800 patients who were critically ill over 197 sites and identified modifiable variables associated with peri-intubation cardiovascular instability and collapse. Not surprisingly, patients with instability and cardiovascular collapse are more likely to die in the ICU. So anything that we can do to prevent that, I mean, it's going to be a good move. Other similar studies in both children and adults have usually shown things like low systolic blood pressures and low saturations to be associated with bad outcomes, which usually leads us in the direction towards giving advice about optimizing your patients before intubation. This study was a little bit different, though. It actually found that the use of propofol was associated with higher rates of peri-intubation instability or collapse, an odds ratio of 1.28, yes, with statistical significance. Now, of course, I think it's still important to resuscitate as well as you can before intubation, but that can be quite hard. What's easy is calling for different induction agents. If ketamine or automidate aren't already your go-to agents, then maybe they should be. In a spoonful, this fairly large study found an association between peri-intubation instability or collapse and the use of propofol as an induction agent. We all know propofol will decrease your blood pressure. Perhaps it should only be reserved for special situations or more stable patients. Alright, then we jump over to the fifth article. Titled, Characterization of Virological Rebound Following Near Matrovir and Ritonavir Treatment for COVID-19 out of the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases. Now, we've already covered a few of them on the journal feed before, so you should be at least a little bit familiar with some of the antivirals that are coming out for the treatment of COVID. Now, these are new drugs. We typically leave it to oncologists to push the bleeding edge of drug development and new treatments. But when it comes to COVID, well, this is going to be our problem as well. We will have to prescribe these medications, and thus, we should be able to handle their side effects too. 
Now, as you may have heard, nirmatrelvir and ritonavir, the combo drug, better known as Paxlovid, authorized for the treatment of high-risk COVID patients has been associated with a rebound of COVID symptoms after the drug has been finished. What are the implications of this? This paper was a case series of just seven patients who were treated with Paxlovid for five days and then afterwards had their symptoms return or started testing positive again after testing negative at the end of their treatment. All these patients were fully vaccinated and had received at least one booster dose, which actually means that these are not the kinds of patients that Paxlovid is proven to have a benefit in. Anyways, if you want to go back to our coverage of the Epic HR study, we'll have more details on that. On average, symptom reoccurrence happened on day 9 after the positive test, or 4 days after the completion of Paxlovid. Live virus was detected up to 11 days after finishing the treatment. This is compared to recent data about COVID-19 patients that showed that they only shed virus for a median of about 5 days after the initial positive test. This suggests that treatment with Paxlovid might prolong viral shedding and could be associated with a rebound of symptoms. This would require longer isolation and monitoring periods even after an initially negative test. And all this occurred without any of the COVID strains actually showing any resistance to the drug. So you don't actually have to worry about that. Now, don't get me wrong, this is very low quality data, but it's just meant to help raise awareness and put this problem on the map. We have no idea how common this actually is. Some studies say anywhere between 1 and up to 30%. It also bears asking as to why these patients were receiving Paxlovid in the first place. A vaccinated patient would not have met the criteria of being high risk as this drug was studied, and so they're not actually likely to benefit. Regardless, something to keep an eye on as this could have public health impacts. In a spoonful, take all this with a grain of salt. But there could be a chance that COVID symptoms and even live virus could rebound after you finish dosing of Paxlovid. Keep in mind, though, that this phenomenon is also seen in patients who received no treatment. All right, that's all the articles. Let's do a wrap-up. What do we learn today? Then from the second article, I love propofol, but it appears to be associated with higher rates of peri-intubation instability or collapse, which in turn is associated with higher mortality rates. And then finally from the last article, receiving Paxlovid and recovering from COVID does not necessarily mean that you're completely out of the woods. Both symptoms and transmissible virus could return. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter can also be found and is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of spaced repetition. Now, of course, if you're feeling like you're missing out, You'd like to hear more of this podcast, more articles, 250% more articles, then you'll have to come and join us at the members feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding. And so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research one spoonful at a time.